Heavy Hops is a Scorched Tundra production. You can access all our episodes with detailed show notes and information about upcoming events by visiting scorchedtundra.com slash heavy hops. Be sure to follow us on your preferred social media platform. Subscribe, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access podcasts. Thanks for supporting us and enjoy the show. I just can't wait to go out and play again. I, <laughs> I miss it so badly. I just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play four times as hard next, next time I get the chance. Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name's Alexi. My name's Sam. Joining us this week are Adrian Dietz and Tobias Hioff of the Copenhagen Denmark-based black metal band Solbud. Their fourth album, a double live album in DVD titled Livene i Buonsoff Vanton, is a collection of material primarily from the band's first three albums recorded in a water tower over two sold-out evenings in November 2019. The water tower's functionalist design and interior architecture, in addition to the acoustics and weather, offered unique conditions for Adrian and Tobias to consider when organizing the show and arranging the set list. The building itself, beams, interior stairwell, and chilled air is present in the recording as a collaborator, presenting an ideal platform for the band's monumental sound. The comprehensive artist and space collaboration extends to the album artwork. Adrian discusses taking inspiration from architect Iblanding's blueprint of the water tower, now almost 100 years old, to create a stunning visual presentation of the concert and space. Livene i Buenso Vanton is the most recent example of Solbud's effort to find or create unique locations for its hometown shows in Copenhagen. Adrian and Tobias discuss how seeking out special locations, such as churches or creating forests inside venues, enables the audience to build a strong connection to the performance and songs, themselves complex, physically demanding, and reworked to accommodate the specifics of the show. We conclude by discussing the band's next studio effort and reimagined approach to songwriting. In the episode notes, you'll find a link to the entire performance, a playlist featuring Soulwood's discography, and links to information and blueprints of the water tower. Let's dive and get heavy. Adrian and Tobias, welcome to Heavy Hops. We are really, really happy to uh, to have you guys with us this week. Thank you. Thank Glad you. to be here. Yeah. So uh, let's begin, uh, starting with Tobias. Do you mind introducing yourself and what you do with the band? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm Tobias, and I'm playing bass in the band. I'm Adrian, and I play guitar in the band. Awesome. Let's begin by discussing your live album, and I'm going to attempt to not butcher the name too much right now. Livene Brensol Vantun. <laughs> Spot good. on. <laughs> any, in any event, it's a collection of material from your first three albums and a new song recorded in a water tower over two sold-out evenings. Before talking about the performances, uh, can you help our listeners get a feel for what the water tower is like and what the surroundings are like? What does it look like? How does it smell? What's your experience if you go there? Well, it's it's really it's really quite a different place 
I remember just coming in there for the first time uh, some months ahead of uh, deciding to do a show there. And it, you just go into this massive, massive cauldron of, of concrete. Everything is gray. There's a bit of daylight coming in from uh, from windows there. And then there's just this huge, immense reverb going on inside there. You can just, if you move a little object that normally you would hardly be able to hear the sound coming from this object, it just it's just amplified by the the structure the walls inside the structure it's uh it's really something different yeah uh yeah i i remember i got there a bit later than uh, the other guys uh because i just have the twins uh on the hospital so uh so the other guys was uh about to set up and I thought there was something, uh, the whole sound system was like turned on because the, the sound in there was so massive that, that I thought everything here must be turned on. And then I found out they were just about to, to set up the gears and just moving around some boxes and stuff. Uh, so, so the sound in there is like unbelievable. You have to like experience it to, uh, to really get the feel of it. Um, and it was cold extremely cold i guess there must have been like two or three degrees in there so so we were like it was necessary to have a lot of uh, clothes on all the time and you could see each other's breath and uh, and yeah it, it was just like one huge round ball of cement and darkness and cold so yeah and that was your, uh, Tobias, that was your first impression of the place? Had you been there before or? No, it was only Adrian that has been there before to uh, visit the place. And he was uh, like totally stunned about it and uh, telling us that this is something we, we need to do. Uh, and then he, uh, he, he recorded some small videos uh, there and uh, the sound so we can hear it. Um, so, so that was my first time coming there the day before we played the shows when we were setting up the gears. And uh, for you, uh, Adrian, when you visited it for the first time, uh, did you have a similar impression of the of the place? Yeah, you know, you, it's it's really you you just you're just met by these huge concrete beams towering up above you, as 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 far as your side goes and and I, I just remember you know I, I was the I, I got the idea first on paper from our, our Danish booker I said oh there's a water tower out there uh, this and that and it has uh, 15 seconds of reverb and I thought ah, doesn't sound like a very good idea on paper <laughs> but I, I went out to see the place and I within seconds I just thought okay we'll do this no doubt, we gotta do this. Yeah, we can work it to our favor. And once you visited the water tower for the first time, were you told any kind of stories about this place? Not really. No, we, we um, didn't really get it, that much info. We had to find it later on, I guess. Uh, so, so yeah, for start, it was just like just the building itself and and the room. 
it's funny. I ended up looking up a little bit of history on the place and the architect said some pretty interesting things in the like opening ceremony for the place. And I guess you kind of, it's the opening of a water tower. I guess you kind of need to come up with some pretty remarkable things, especially if you designed it, right? Mm-hmm, um, yeah. <laughs> but the the thing that struck me the most was that the quote was more or less that uh, the new water tower will be an epiphany of beauty for the area <laughs> and that it's going to put it on a map much like uh, noted castles and uh, cathedrals. So in a way, you may have even helped in that goal. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been a water tower for since uh, since nineteen ninety. Yeah. Uh, and now it's what do you say? It's sort of um, it's um, it's kept as it is, as a as sort of a, a local landmark. Um, yeah, I interesting quote. I didn't actually know that. I've been looking at the original architect drawings for many hours as I was um, doing the artwork for the for the for the poster for the show and for the um, the circle of, of the CD and, and and the labels for the LP I used the the plan drawings it has this sort of circle crest thing that I think is quite um it's quite beautiful it's it's very, very uh, geometric and very mathematic, and and there's some, there's also some resemblance to um, to to ourselves as a band, uh, soul, in in soulable meaning sun, and the circle is is good for the you know, and an LP is round and so is a CD and yeah. That, that's interesting that you kind of were able to take some of the architectural drawings and there's the, the for listeners, we'll put some stuff up on the episode notes for this. So you can go to the link and see all the architectural drawings that are up on the um, on the website for the venue, because it's it is actually pretty cool. And it, you can definitely deep dive into that. There's almost 200 photos, I think, historical photos of the area. And so you were able to uh, to correlate that into the artwork um i mean it is like those designs are pretty metal in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah yes and and they're, they're very beautiful the original drawings um there's something also about a technical drawing or a sketch that's that's some sometimes even more um have have, have an, an a deeper aesthetic value than the actual um, building itself sometimes so jumping into the kind of days of the performance and things like that, as you sort of alluded to, when you watch the DVD, you see everyone that's in the audiences in coats. Um, Adrian, I think you're the only person brave enough to have short sleeves in that uh, <laughs> in that shoot. Everyone's got coats on. Uh, for for you, Tobias, was this like the coldest environment that you had played in? And what do you think it did? to the the sound in the space it, it most definitely uh, is the coldest play I, uh, place i have ever played uh, that's that's for sure um uh, we we had a little uh, uh little house on the uh, outside of the 
of the water tower where I, that was uh, that was heated, so we can uh, sit there and and warm up uh, before we were playing. Um, and and I think it uh, it, it gives a, a little more tension to the way you are playing because you have extremely cold fingers and you need to like keep yourself warm. Uh, you cannot just stand still there for an hour. You will get uh, it will get too cold, so you can't play your instrument. Um, and and also, I think like maybe your my bass can sound a little bit different when it's it's that cold. You have to like keep it in tune all the time. Um, and and like the second day we came there, uh, all the instruments was like. Uh, Wet, red, they were dripping uh, because there was so much uh, condensed on the inside of the tower. So, uh, once in a lifetime experience, I guess. Yeah, I, well, it was very cold out there for sure, and I was there the whole weekend from from midday Friday to late uh, Sunday, and and. I remember just coming home to sleep after everything was over, and I just felt the cold in in my spine. I mean, and I I lied with two uh, with two blankets, and I just <laughs> I didn't I didn't get warm until the next day actually. And and yes, it's well, you could we could get heated by moving and 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 staying out in the building outside, but when you picked up the guitar and it's about it's, it's freezing then instantly the middle strings cools down your fingers to a point where it's just twice as hard to play you know your, your fingers are stiff and i think also we had some strange experience i think there's also some some truth to the way we perceive sound or the way sound reacts on on a microscopic level and when it's so cold because we had you know, the reverb was immense. It was 15 seconds and you could stand. We stood, uh, I, I stood five meters from the, the sound guy and I wasn't able to make out what he, he was saying. I had to wait. What did you say? Stand closer. Okay, you said that. Okay. And then, but still then, it was like the sound of my guitar was somehow dry. At the same time, it was it has some a different cold to it, even though it was wet with all the reverb. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very strange environment. And so what kind of went into the process of um, picking the songs and adjusting other songs and putting them, piecing them together in a way? And then did they meet the, this expectation that you had in your heads of how the, the whole concert turned out or um, were, were there some actualities uh, or different realities that came out uh, through the process? Well, first of all, we, um, we had decided we wanted to do a, we wanted to turn, turn the set into a live album eventually. And we are very fond of the, the LP, the vinyl format. So we had to um, we had to take into consideration how much time can you fit into a 12-inch record, and we wanted to have natural breaks during the set 
for turning the records in in three different places because it's a double record so you have four sides so that kind of set a grid for as to the length of songs and it's it's quite tricky with our songs because most of them are above 10 minutes so it's it's often hard to fit two songs onto one side um but then we thought we kind of um bring in bring in certain parts of of songs that are longer we, we brought in certain shorter parts and put them at the end of one song or in the beginning beginning of another song um because we thought that that specific part would work really well out there on its own and then could lead on to another song and then do you feel like when you were actually playing and you were there were there any sounds that you heard when you were there versus what actually got captured to the tape when you were recording or do you feel like you know everything you heard live actually transferred over to the recording i, I think uh, one of the things i was thinking when we were playing was like with all this reverb from the room it was like every time we started on a new part it would take like maybe 30 seconds for for the room to capture all the sound and then you will have this massive sound in the whole room and then you can start here what we are playing so i the way i hear it was like the first 30 seconds the first 30 seconds was just like a noise and then you will start to hear the song but i think on the record it, it comes quite clearly out from the start uh as i hear it at least yes and and actually i was having experienced the room just on its own and experimenting out there with sounds i was actually surprised at how clear uh, the band sounded in front of the pa uh, when we were playing and doing the sound check um and then the this this in, the shoes reverb serving more as a, a backdrop behind it. Um, but I mean, it, after the release uh, a couple of weeks ago, there's there was there's been a remark um, in a short review, which was it's a pretty good point. It's a guy who's he was there at the show and he's and he has he's bought the record. He said, well, even though no existing audio equipment could ever capture the bizarre sound phenomenon of you know the sound ricocheting between all these pillars it's it's true you would never be able to capture the whole experience of being there because you could move around in the audience and the sound was, would change we were standing like in a we were positioned in this in the center of the tower and the audience have had, had the option of moving and circling the space so if they moved up over behind us uh in 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 the other side of the room than where the pa was playing then you would you would experience a, a drastic increase in the reverbering if in the reverb effect um and I, I i would say that well if you think if you think there's a lot of reverb on the album uh, then then you should, should have been out there because it's probably four times as much yeah, from looking at the photos and watching the video as well, it, it it really seems as though the venue itself was a pretty active participant in the show. 
whether it's having to put the drums underneath a stairwell that goes up to how people had to kind of interact with space and how you did too. Uh, it looks as though you couldn't avoid from having all those features be a part of the, of the acoustics and of the, of the performance. Yeah, for sure. We had to like rethink the way we replaced ourselves um, and, and uh, doing it's a water tower. There's a lot of, uh, a uh, lot of pipes going around on the floor and stuff. So, so, so they actually like it was sold out, but there still was uh, quite a lot of space left. So that made it possible for people to like walk around uh, without it all being too too crowded, and they could like doing the concert experience different places uh, at the set. And you alluded to the production, your post-production as well. So this was recorded in November of uh, 2019. And here we are a couple of weeks after the release in 2021. So there was uh, a little bit of post-production that had to occur on the audio and the video. What was the process for taking all the starting with like the audio and just kind of working with that? Uh, how was how did this end up being kind of different from a conventional recording? We we recorded both days, so first we had to like find the the best parts uh, for the two days and then combine them. Um, then we had to go uh, the way through all the mixing of the sound and uh, uh, yeah, first do the mix and then the master, uh, and then of course there's like a lot of waiting time on getting the LP pressed and everything, but also Adrian had to like, he used a lot of time on the, on the cover on this doing to all the, all the drawings and uh, pictures and the stuff he had to go into. And of course there also was the, the video. Uh, so we, we had to have the, the whole concert, uh, mixed and uh, mastered before we could start making the the video, so so the sound would fit to the video material. But yeah, it it, it took a long time, a lot more than we expected at the first point. Uh, for you, Adrian, uh, considering the production, did you have a lot of the ideas for the art and the layout? You talked about some of the sources of inspiration um, earlier as far as looking at the architectural plans. At what point did that uh, did that visualization begin for you as the as the artist behind creating those visuals? Yeah, I mean, I was working um, first. I was working on the the concept poster for for some months because I we have we have this thing of. We've also played in a in a church in Copenhagen earlier, where I I thought, well, this is also this is this has some architectural value that I thought I'll use the basically the layout of the facade of of this church and and build a poster on top of that to sort of emphasize that 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 we're doing a concert in a in a specific place that's different from from a normal concert venue. And I kind of like to 
to bring that idea forward. So I was working on, yeah, I was working on on, on the show poster for for some months, and I found the these beautiful uh, architectural drawings, and you know a bit of back and forth, and then we know we knew that we had something special with this place, and and we wanted to bring in uh, some good photographers to document it, and um, and what they what they got out of it was just way beyond what I had imagined or what I had hoped for. There is the inside picture of the of the gatefold is like a perfectly symmetric photo of the beams towering up. And and it's I that that kind of when I got the photos from from the photographers, I was looking around and how could it be combined and and I just Pretty quickly settled on on those two pictures. One one for the back that goes from the, from the front, the front of the record continues onto the back of the record, uh, and then an inside photo that that folds over two pages. And I just had to place them there and put the text, work work with the text, and and the the photographers did did an incredible job. Uh, in, in in doing the the shots there, also on the, <clears throat> the the photo booklets we have on the pictures of of each of us, there are some incredible incredible shots. You mentioned uh, performing in a church um, as well. What is it about performing outside of the traditional venue context for the band that you feel is um, it obviously being in an environment that is a venue evokes a different feeling, not only for the band but also the audience. Is this something you're trying to invoke in your fans as well as for yourselves? And do you feel like it brings a different dynamic to your show when you do perform in these venues that are traditional? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, we've done it some, I don't know, maybe six or seven times now where we have played, played a, a place that's not like uh, a normal venue at least uh, and and we uh, put a lot of time and effort into uh, to making it something special um so we usually uh, use a couple of days maybe a week to set everything up so so everything is like exactly as we wanted and that's not something you can do at a normal venue when you just come there and play you usually only have like half a day to set up so you can bring in trees and uh, straws and whatever you <laughs> find necessary to set the setting. Uh, but that's something we can do when it's not a normal venue. We, we have more time to set the setting and make it something uh, unique. And that's something we think uh, really fits our music, I guess. But it's something we have done from the start since we started the band. It has always been not just the music, but also the lightning and and the whole experience about the music. Yeah, I think it just it just kind of works with what we do because we we like to sort of expand on everything in in as as much as we can. Um, I mean, we we like to to do five minute intros to a song and and we like to we build our own 
you know, lighting that we can control from stage. Tobias controls that. He controls his his pedals for the bass sound, and then he, he has another board that controls the lighting, so he can time the the light show um, with a break or with a that in in a way that that the sound guy or the the lights guy would never be able to time the same way as as we time uh, as musicians. So I think it's just a, a matter of trying to what else can we do? What what can we do next? And especially in our hometown in Copenhagen and in Denmark, especially where we we have the time. We're not on tour. We live there, so we have the time to prepare a week ahead. And also we we've been around for 10 years in Copenhagen now and, and people know us quite well. So we try to sort of yeah expand the universe and try to bring something more, something new to the table for, for the audience. And I think that's great. Not only for the band, it keeps things fresh, uh, but also for the audience as well. Are there any shows from the past or specific venues that really stand out? And what was it about those shows that leave an imprint on you? Well, I think actually now we're speaking on these grand setups, preparing a week ahead. I think then by contrast, some of the shows um, that are actually most memorable as well are uh, are some of them at, are in the, the the opposite end of the spectrum where we'll we'll arrive at some some squad uh, punk squad at a festival and having driven on the road for for a week or two and there's you know there's sunshine and there's punks everywhere and you set up a stage it's, a, it's an old barn and and there's no stage it's just uh, wooden boards and and the equipment is is kind of toast, but it's really cool. And then you just set up. Maybe the sound check is, maybe there's hardly time for a sound check. We just plug in, strike a chord, and say, "All right, I'm ready." And then we hit it, and, and it's rock and roll. I mean, yeah, I I really enjoy that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. A lot. It like it, it's not necessary. A big setup that makes a good show, but still the the shows where we had like been preparing for a week or so still uh, sits in our memory. Uh, I think the water tower is uh, at least on the top three of those. But I also think the 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 church show was really uh, memorable because we had we could like. The guy setting it up for us was like, you, you just do what you want. So we can use the uh, Elsa and everything on the stage. Uh, and uh, and we we did bring up in, uh, and the, they had a, a extremely uh, uh, special light setting at that church uh, where there was like uh, uh, hundreds of light poles hanging from the, from the church top. Uh, and it had like a, uh, was it two or three uh, heights of the of the church where, where people could stand and, and look down on us? Uh, so so that was some uh, quite uh, special place as well. And and the, and last one I, I want to mention is like uh, uh, the release show for our third album, which we uh, hold uh, hosted in uh, the Danish Youth House. Uh, on the big stage there, where we also uh, 
prepared for for a week and Ole, our lead singer, was out in the wood and uh, cutting down uh, big trees and putting them all around the stage. And we could use uh, the whole entrance with uh, like the the whole the whole, we could like transmit the whole place and not just the states to something that uh, that set the the setting for 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 the night. That's interesting. You're referring to Ungdomshuset, right? The which yeah, is a, exactly. a place that is really legendary. Uh, can you speak a little bit about why that place is important for listeners that may not be familiar with it? Um, that's. Uh, uh, what uh, the ones I was referring to is called the the new uh, youth house, uh, uh, which came out of the old youth house, which has existed since the middle of the eighties. That was uh, evicted uh, in two thousand and seven. Uh, a year later, they got uh, the new youth house, and that's actually the place where we uh, start our started out for I think we rehearsed there for maybe the first five years of the band existing uh, and and the first uh, album we recorded in uh, our rehearsal room there uh, it's a it's a basically a punk squad uh, that later on was giving uh, to the to the punks by the the government. Uh, and it's they host a lot of festivals, a lot of concerts, a lot of uh, creative uh, stuff is going on there, uh, and yeah, making a, a lot of uh, good work for the left wing uh, in Copenhagen and uh, supporting uh, the rest of uh, Europe's squads and stuff. That's a, it's an interesting idea of bringing the outside inside and transforming the normal venue into something that's very special. Uh, and it's bringing like a freshness to those places is really valuable so that if you are on a tour, for example, and you go and play this place on a billing where you have less to dictate uh, of that space because you're playing with a different headliner or something like that, then that becomes a special occasion as well on in its own right. I was curious about if there were any shows that you went to maybe in your sort of formative years that sparked this idea that you would be interested in uh, reimagining spaces for performances or imagining new spaces. Uh, I think... Uh... Some some surprises to mention is like when we have gone on uh, mostly tours in uh, Germany, there's a lot of squads there, and they are all always like um, really uh, creative with the states. Um, what Adrian? What was we were playing a place in uh, Belgium, right? Where we uh, where they were speaking French. Um, Switzerland, maybe. Switzerland, yeah. The, the the squat where we were partying all night. Yeah, that was the one I was thinking about earlier. Okay, yeah, yeah. The That's, great the party. <laughs> uh, can you remember what the place was called? Uh, Porno Diesel. Or it had it had a couple of names. It was like no, this that's that's farm. not the one I'm thinking about. There was the. Well, that you was mean also the, amazing place. That was awesome. <laughs> You you mean the one 
was that in Germany where Ole had his birthday and they made pancakes for us? And uh, <laughs> the, the guy, the guy who built his own incredible lighting rig, that one? No, it's not that one. Okay, as you can hear, we 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 found a lot of uh, special places going on on uh, like uh, downsized tours in Germany where there is like people don't have that many money, so they just and they don't got that many rules for the states and when you're going to bigger shows there was like a lot of people involved and everything is professional so it usually looks pretty much the same but when you go to smaller shows uh, it can be something outstanding and it can be really uh expiring to what what you can do with the stage do you feel the the same uh adrian that uh that there were you've been able to experience a lot of different places and that you're amazed by the ingenuity of people and that's that's inspiring yes yes i mean i really think you know again every show is different and and going on the our first tours to europe we we didn't really know what to expect next we just sat in a car for seven hours looking at the highway and suddenly you're a new place and Maybe it's cool. Maybe it's really cool. Maybe it's awesome. And I mean, every every almost every stage has its own quality. If it's a big stage, if it's a festival stage, they'll they'll have a the stage will be tall. So you, I mean, you'll look taller. Basically, they'll have big amps. They'll have a kick-ass PA. So it will elevate the band to sound bigger. But there's also a quality of of I mean. Just if the stage is just if just ten, ten centimeters above floor level, or, or there's no stages at all, and you're basically staring right like right into the, the the first guy in the audience, that's that's totally killer as well. I mean, yeah. Out of curiosity, then, what is the next venue that you've not played in that is of interest to you? Oh, <laughs> shall we reveal it, Tobias? No, it, it, that's the secret. But it will come. <laughs> but uh, it's the, yeah, yeah, it's it will big, come in big one. It's it's a it's a place, but it's quite expensive. That's why we haven't played there yet. But it's not a, a concert venue, but it's something we're planning on to do in the nearest future. But uh, but something that's not that. But something else I would like to do was to an, another band uh, in, in uh, some of our friends here from Copenhagen played at uh, something called uh, the Blue Planet, which is uh, the the biggest aquarium in uh, in Denmark, um, and they they have a, a uh, that's a whole uh, uh, half pipe formed uh, place. Uh, and they have a, a huge aquarium with uh, all kinds of uh, fish, and and that's uh, actually made like kind of a stage where people can sit and look at the the fish there. And they played in front of the tank. Um, uh, so so I, I would like to do that as well at some point because that uh, that just looked amazing and fit the. They also play black metal, but a, a little different kind of us, uh, but I think that it fits the music uh, really well. How, okay, so you put uh, you put forth a new song in the live album as well. 
when you were writing that, did you, when you were writing that song, did you have an idea that you were going to perform it in this specific place? No, I don't, I don't think so. It's, I think it's, it's one I've, I worked on quite a few years ahead. Um, actually, it's actually, it's, a, yeah, sure. Sorry. It's, it's, it's a song that was written um, partly with, with the intent of giving our drama a break during the set. So I wanted, I wanted sort of a, 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 a good melodic song that had more doomy drums because he's really being put to work with all our other songs. And he's, he's, I've seen him with bloodshot eyes. I've seen him with, you know, visible steam rising from his shoulders after a show. He's, he's a machine. He's a, our sound guy calls him, you know, the a steam, what's it, a steam, steam train. Yeah. So I wanted to give him a break. And, and then we were, we were finishing the song around a couple months before doing, uh, getting, getting the, 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 the water tower show set up. And I think we all agreed, especially you to be as that is probably going to kill out there being more doomy and more airy and, and having much more space in between the beats to sort of live in the room of the water tower. Yeah, it's, it's a perfect number for the water tower. Uh, yeah, it could seem like it was written just for the location, but it's not. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a part of, uh, uh, like the next album that we are working on, uh, which is like, uh, double album where we are, uh, each member is writing a side on, uh, on every, uh, side of the LP. So there will be four sides, which every member have, uh, compensated with, with 20 minutes for, for the record. And that's just Adrian's, uh, the first number he was writing for that, uh, record, which we have been rehearsing for at the same time, started up rehearsing for at the same time as we recorded the live album. Interesting. That kind of segues into the next, the sort of next topic I wanted to ask you about. And that was new material that you were working on. And I was curious about whether these performances and this idea of putting all your material into new spaces inspires new material. And if so, how do you kind of incorporate those experiences into the writing process for future material? Yeah, usually you can you can get like inspired inspired when you are um, on the states. Sometimes when we are like making the sound, something pops up. Somebody's just playing some random riff, and it can be something like, "Oh, I need to write this down," uh, or Tools is playing some some nice drum beat or something that we are thinking about we can use at another time. Um, so. Usually our first three albums has, we have this uh, limit that you're, you're not allowed to write a whole number yourself. You have to like bring ideas or riffs uh, or parts to the, to the rehearsal room and then we will write everything together. So it's like a, a, a collective uh, thing where, where we do all this, the songs together. So everybody is involved in every song and that can be 
like it'd be great, but it can also be like take the life out of it sometimes. Uh, so long as time to to finish stuff when everybody yeah, yeah, has can, their say. Yeah. yeah, because we like we all want our ways, <laughs> uh, and and. Uh, Sometimes it can take like a half year to to like before we are done with a number. We have we have like three of our things maybe that it's done, and then the last one comes and say, hey, maybe we should try change it, and then we have to do it all over again and and so on. So with with this new project, we we decided to try to do something different and and uh, do a, a a whole part uh, for each member, and then. Um, nobody else can go in and say, "Hey, I don't like this part because that's not a possibility on the on the next album." Yeah, it's quite the so, change in how you do things for sure. <laughs> um, do you feel like this was necessary for the band's growth to make this change? Most yeah. most definitely was. Like okay. the last last album was a hard one so so if we should continue for 10 more years i think this maybe maybe in the next album will be the old way again or something between but at this point i think it was like necessary to do it this way uh to get the tension in the band a little lighter i feel um having been in bands myself and, you know, working with other people there, there comes in a moment when you're all writing and there's just, everyone feels like, you know, they have their idea and they don't want it touched. And this is a very interesting approach towards um, kind of solving that issue. And uh, I'm actually kind of keen. I want to see how it would work if I were to try it out with one of my bands. Um, but it's going really well here, I would say, and I think uh, we we're really glad with the results we're getting out of it. Um, at least I think so. I don't know about you, Adrian. <laughs> yes, yes, I think um, it's it's been it's been nice to be able to to write um, about twenty minutes of music within within the scope of Solbrod or within the scope of my vision of what Solbrud can do without having to think, or maybe Tobias won't like this, or maybe maybe he won't like this, or this is not gonna work, I'm not gonna get this through. I can do parts that I think, maybe for my part, are slightly more experimental or slightly more progressive. Um, and again, try to expand what, what can we do with our sound and our music. Um, and, and I think, I'm I'm happy with the stuff I've done, and I'm also um, I'm also impressed with with the pieces that the other guys have put through. And I think it's it's different parts. It has each part has you know its own direction to some extent, while still being a part of the whole. So yeah, I'm I'm thrilled about it. Tobias, do you think that this approach requires a high level of trust and talent yeah yeah of course it does uh we had we had one limit and that was that uh when we were writing our side of the record uh, it should we should keep it to what we think was soulful 
Um, and and that's that's uh, nice to hear how it all sounds like soulful and it's all made for. We know how the other three uh, members of the band is playing and what they can do on their instruments. So it has been righted, so it fits to that. Uh, and and I think everybody has uh, been been really good to like think the the other members into the song while still it's only that member that has been writing all the all the parts uh, all the instruments do you feel the the same way adrian yes yes i think so um yeah and i think also bringing back to the earlier question of where inspiration comes from with regards to seeing other shows or playing yourself or experiencing venues you know inspiration with regards to music is very um it's very strange how it occurs this and that and it, sometimes in the shower or sometimes there but i just think especially having this vision of seeing us as, as a band performing and and sort of building up yeah building up the tension the intro and by contrast in the music and i think it's 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 especially interesting with with the new material um sort of yes again an, an expansion of uh, the soul pole universe I, I guess i'm curious about the the size of this universe in that case do you see do you see the same things that you see in what tobias writes uh adrian do i see the same thing as tobias sees in what tobias writes do you see yourself in what he writes <laughs> oh yeah yeah i do definitely and and i think it's also at we're also at a point now where i might not you know we might not have the same specific taste with with everything but we're also at a at a stage where all right i i understand what you want now it's my job to to make the best of it with my instrument with my sound and say well just today actually i recorded uh, my parts, my rhythm parts for Tobias's music and I sent him and and asked for him to say, what do you think about this? And and he, he's commenting on it. So, yeah. How does the construction of the album then come when you have four parts completed? What becomes side A? What becomes side C? That's We're not 100% sure about that yet. That's still to uh, be uh, discovered. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we, we have an idea. Yeah. To sure. some extent, we wanted to, we wanted the four parts to have to be equal, and not have one come before the other. We also discussed doing four different CDs, but maybe that's a bit silly. But eventually, I guess we'll have to settle on something is first, something is second, and third. Also, when we when we're doing a release concert for this. I don't know, 85 minutes of music. We can't, we can't play it simultaneously. At least it's not written for that, and that will probably be impossible. So we have to s settle with something for the beginning, something in between, and something for an ending. I suppose Maybe. you could just not mark them with distinct sides, throw both records yeah. in the same sleeve, and just leave it a mystery, no titles on the back of the sleeve or <laughs> of the gatefold or anything, and just say, figure it out for yourself. It's in the eye of the beholder. You can do that. You can do that with the records. And I think we will do that to some extent. 
but then when you put it on Bandcamp, you have to. There's gotta be Spot a, Spotify a, or something. On, on or this, you have, you, on this you, you can, can release it as four EPs or something. You can shuffle it on Spotify. Maybe say you can only shuffle this album. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> This is, a, this is a shuffle album. <laughs> hey, there's the album title. <laughs> it reminds me, um, there was a band uh, from Chicago, they're called Bong Ripper, and they put out um, their last album. And it, it's technically just two songs, uh, one song on each side. But if you if you look it up on Spotify, they, they broke it up into different sections of each song. So like, one song is called slow. And so each section of that song is broken off into like eight minutes is S, uh, five minutes for L, uh, you know, another five minutes for O. And I was like, this is a very interesting approach to like digitizing um, a two-sided album. It was just, it was very, very wild. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds, sounds weird. So it's like, <laughs> The, the the Spotify is different from, from the record or what? Yeah, in a way, yeah. It, it, just the way it was broken up and it, it kind of leaves the... If you were to throw it on shuffle, you'd be like, what the, what fuck, the fuck is fuck? going on right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I kind of like should, this. You should, you should never put an album on shuffle. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, had, I, had a, I had a very similar and very strange experience. I went to the movies for some years ago to see uh, Ingmar Bergman's uh, The Seventh Seal. And it turns out I hadn't seen the movie before, but a friend of mine had. And it turns out that the um, the guy controlling the um, the Tape. projector yeah, had, 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 uh, shuffled the, had shuffled the film. So, I mean, it's a weird movie in its original form. And it's probably four times as weird if you shuffle the um, the tapes. I want to shift and kind of ask about uh, what's kind of coming up and how you're envisioning this new album, too. So you have some material that you're working on. The track listing, so to speak, is determined is uh, not quite determined yet. Um, you've also worked with a couple of different labels in the past. When you're putting this together, uh, do you kind of shop these albums at, like one at a time and find kind of the right partners for the project or are you looking at doing another album with Eisenwald? We are definitely um, hoping to stick with Eisenwald uh, moving forward for well hopefully in, indefinitely it's it's never um, it's a lot of work to change labels um, and and I think also in it's it's most much more in the label's interest to stick with a band because you're building something up. So it's more a matter of have not having found the the perfect match yet that we um that we moved on each time on the previous albums. Um, but we hope we have this time. We I think we have. Cool. Um, I think. Uh, we can wrap up here. Do you have any sort of uh, parting thoughts for people? I just can't wait to go out and play again. I, <laughs> I miss it so badly. I just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play four times as hard next next time I get the chance. 
<laughs> so yeah, hope I'll I'll see you guys. Be there there. next time. We will be playing. It will be amazing. If that uh, sure, if the show at the Water Tower was your last show, then you certainly left with a pretty strong impression. So I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think that everyone will be looking forward to it, and I hope uh, to be able to see you guys at some point in the future as well. So, um, thank yeah, you for joining love us. To and go to the the uh, U.S. someday. I've been th uh, thinking about this planetarium that we have in Chicago. We have a beautiful planetarium. It on mm -hmm. the it's Chicago's on an enormous lake, and we have a planetarium that's like right on sort of a archipelago. And I saw a band called Electric Moon in a planetarium in Germany a couple of years ago. My wife and I went to Germany specifically to see this show because uh, that was a thing you did in 2018, and it was a really fantastic experience. And I think that that type of like psychedelic kraut music is a total shoe in for a planetarium. But I think something like heavy and aggressive would like really shake people in that environment with the heavy visuals and also kind of the surrounding of it uh, with the rotund shape. Fuck yeah. Sign me up. So we'll get with Brent from Empty Bottle Presents and we'll, uh, we'll next time you're on the show, we'll be in person the day before the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, uh, Tobias and Adrian, thank you so much for joining us on Heavy Hops and uh, all the best going forward. Thank you very much. Thank you. And you and too. Sam. It was a yeah. pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah, you guys take care. Yeah, you too. Thank you. you. Too.